Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow. It's six o'clock now in the morning as I wait for my train to come. This is the 250th episode of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This episode features Abby Schuster of Kismet Outdoors. I finally got a chance to meet Abby at the 2019 Edison Fly Fishing Show. I told her about my awful fishing experience on the vineyard when I was up there in 2010 for the Jack O'Pierce concert at the Old Whaling Church. I thought it'd be a great idea to have Abby on the podcast so she can inform us all about fly fishing on Martha's Vineyard. She spends half the year guiding on Martha's Vineyard and the rest of the year her off-season traveling, skiing, and doing other outdoor activities. We're going to learn all about her life as a fly fishing guide on Martha's Vineyard and what it's like to fish there. This is Abby Schuster's Kismet Outdoors Martha's Vineyard episode. So on this episode, we've got Abby Schuster. How are you? Great. And where are you? Not too bad. Doing pretty good today. Tying some flies in between my interviews today. Always a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, So where are you right now? Are you on the vineyard? Um, I just left the vineyard, but I go back and forth in the winter. So I'm fully on island for like seven months. And then I go, I do a bunch of hosted travel and go up to Maine for part of the winter. All right. So how did you get into being a fishing guide on the vineyard? Well, I've been fly fishing my whole life. And I actually learned to fly fish on Martha's Vineyard. So as a child, like before I could even really wait on my own, I would go on my dad's um, shoulders and fly fish, which is so dangerous, really, looking back. But anyway. Things were uh, different back then. I think so. <laughs> there were many times where we had to swim to shore um, at night. Anyway. Wait, so, at night? Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was like crazy. Um. 
but after guiding out west and moving around a bunch, I realized like my heart was in the um, Martha's Vineyard fishery because I do think it's one of the best ever. And you so went I, to school out west, is correct? Yeah, I went to University of uh, Montana in Missoula. How much work did you get done in between your fishing? Well, <laughs> I got really good at scheduling classes at night or early in the morning. So I had most of the day to fish, <laughs> which where, was great. Where I went to school, we had the shad run, but that started right during finals. Oh, I that's didn't really rough. get a chance to fish it. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, I got it done. It taught me how to be more disciplined with work because <laughs> there's a lot of distractions there. I forgot to ask who your celebrity doppelganger is. Is there somebody people say you look like? Um, well, I've heard this a bunch, but I don't agree. But people say Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Very embarrassing. You never not, know. Not, yeah. not, not great, I'm sure, but. I'm sure we can make some kind of meme with you on a Audi <laughs> instead of a cannonball. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So how long have you been on the vineyard working? Um, this is my, what is this, fourth season on the vineyard full time, like with my own business. But I've been going back and forth for about five years, I guess. All right. And you live on Chappaquiddick. I do. Yes. So we refer to this Chappie or Chappaquiddick. I always say Chappie, but yeah. And that is an island off of an island. So you're like a sub island. Yes. It's it's about 527 feet, I think, from Martha's Vineyard. So the only way there is via ferry, right. a three-car ferry. <laughs> is is it mostly just known for the car accident? Yes. And good fishing. And right, good fishing. Right. And that's some of the best fishing on island. But um, Not when I was there. Yeah, now, but mostly the car accident. This year is a 50-year anniversary, so that was a very big deal. And that movie came out. I didn't watch it. Yes, a lot of tourists are. Taking selfies. Let's look where yes. somebody died and take a picture of myself smiling. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little sad, but it's very sad. So being on Chappaquiddick, you don't have skunks. Oh, no. We have skunks. You do. Do they swim we across? I guess. I mean, it's so Chappie's attached to the vineyard. It changes every like 10 years or so if the breach is open or not. So either they swam or maybe they went when the breach was closed. Do you know the history of the skunks? Um, no. I feel like I do know this, but Let I can't discuss. remember. Yeah, somebody dumped a couple skunks there in 74, I think, in the early 70s. And this is their only natural predator is the great horned owl. They kind of just run amok. Yeah. I didn't realize people right. must get up early and clean them off the roads because you can smell where they got hit. You don't see them. Oh, yeah. they There's always like a little underlying skunk smell. My dog smells of skunk for at least eight months a year. Right. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. They're everywhere. Oh, Nantucket great. doesn't have any, which is pretty funny. You guys could do a mean trick and put some parachutes on skunks and drop them. I've thought of this many times. <laughs> uh, so for those who aren't familiar with the vineyard, can you explain where it is and sort of how it was created and some of the just physical characteristics of it? Yeah, the vineyard is an incredibly beautiful place. It's um, about six miles off of Woods Hole, so in Massachusetts. Um, so the only way you can get there is a 45-minute ferry ride. 
um, through the vineyard sound. And once you're on it, what I like about it is there's a different towns and they all have their own character, you know, and they're all very different. So it's a really nice place to live because up island is all farming and super beautiful. And then you get to a place like Eggertown, which is the old whaling town. And it's a lot more restaurants and art galleries. And, you know, I mean, there's like the old captain's homes. It's, it's incredibly beautiful. Created from glaciers, right? Yes. Yep. And so now, especially Chappaquiddick, the north side of the island is a little bit rockier, but Chappie is all sand. Like the bedrock is hundreds of feet below. So every year it's changing. There's shoals off the um, southeast side of the island that change every single year. I need to like relearn the water every year out there because it just gets pushed around by tides and storms and everything in the winter. Have you ever found any artifacts? Um, yeah, lots of arrowheads have been found. Um, one of my buddies, he's pretty talented at finding artifacts. He's found megalodon teeth. He's found um, a spearhead that they think was dated 10,000 years ago. Wow. Which, yeah. Pretty damn old. Right? It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really, there was a big Native American, or there still is, tribe on island, the Wampanoags. Um, and that culture is still there for sure, which is really cool. What about the seasonality? So you're going to leave in the winter. So what are the, the fishable seasons? So the reason I leave is just because there's there's no real fishing in the winter. In May, it really picks up. And then it depends on the year. Like last few years, I guided well into November. I mean, not every day. It definitely slows down. But the big Albies and Benito are around. Um, this year we had a few storms that kind of pushed them away. So typically it wraps up around October. Could you explain the difference between an Albi and a Bonito? Yeah, they are pretty similar um, fish. Bonito, the main way to like tell them apart is Bonito have teeth and stripes, whereas Albies have... Um, more of like a camo, one camo stripe on its side. And there's, they're crazy fish. We get them from on the vineyard from September to, you know, depends of the year, but October, November. We got Benito, though, this year in the beginning of August, which was crazy. I mean, it was awesome. It was great for guiding, but crazy that they're there. What happens when the first fish start coming in? Is it just everyone goes nuts? Oh, my God. The whole island goes crazy. It's awesome. That's like the vineyard. Like, the fall on the vineyard, the community is so fishy. It's awesome. We have a five-week-long fishing tournament. Everyone is just so buzzed about fishing. It's all everyone's talking about. It's all anyone's doing. It's it's awesome. It's cool. Are there people there that don't fish? Very just, few. Just look at them weird. Like I mean, outcasts. Yeah. Summer there are, but in the in the fall and spring, most of the people are, travel there to fish, which is cool. So we were there for a concert in August, and there was no fish. What um, concert? Jacko Pierce at the Old Whaling Church. Oh, nice. Yeah, and the son of Carly Simon and James Taylor opened up. Nice. I think my mom went to that actually. <laughs> it was a good show. Yeah, she that was sort of our baby moon, and we, we my wife got pregnant. Oh, a month or so afterwards. So that was like our last vacation without kid. 
So exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. And she's eight now and was awful this morning. <laughs> that will happen with little eight-year-olds. Oh, my gosh. I threatened to cancel her trick-or-treating on her. <laughs> uh, yeah, she fishes. She's got a little uh, four or five weight rod that somehow ended up with a T-bore reel on it. Amazing. Yeah. Obviously. And she can cast pretty fairly well. The vineyard. Yeah. She get double. pulled in by those fish. She's like a little wafer. She's tiny. Oh. <laughs> I'll hold on to her. We'll have fun. Right. My friend Oliver Hicks fished with you earlier this year. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. great. He's a big steelhead dude. Yeah, he's a super nice guy. He's jacked beyond belief, too. Yeah. That dude's yeah. arms are just massive. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Yes. So what are the first fish that come in in the springtime? What's going to arrive first? For us uh, here, it's the shad. Okay, cool. For us, it's the schooly striped bass. So the smaller striped bass and you'll start seeing them in it depends on the year but early may typically sometimes in april and they're awesome i mean everyone's just so excited to see them the vineyard is a really amazing fishery because it has amazing flats and the schoolies will go up in the flats and it's honestly like the same as bone fishing except harder <laughs> i think but the schoolies look and behave a lot like bonefish does something come in to eat them? Um, bigger fish will come in and eat them for sure. Um, but the birds and stuff will come. I mean, it's like they're eating the same stuff that I use the same flies in Mexico as I do on the flats on the vineyard for them. Little crab patterns, little shrimp patterns. It's really cool. Sight fishing for them is amazing. Yeah, it's convenient to have one box for, one box of flies for such diverse locations. I know it's awesome, and it's like. I come back from Mexico typically, like the first week of May. And so I'm like still high off the Mexico train. So it's a nice transition. <laughs> Hot water to cold water. Yes. Very cold water at that point. Um, and then as the season progresses, the bigger bluefish will come in and then bigger stripers will come in. And, and then everyone will be there by the middle August and through October. What is that? That truck? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. That's a big truck. I know. I know it's weird that that's going right by my house. Yeah. We have planes truck. and trucks all day, and we're in a little neighborhood, so you'd think it could be quiet here, but it's it's not really. It's not every right. Every sixty seconds, a plane will fly over. And the only like during, I feel like only during interviews. <laughs> yeah. That happens. So what are some of the, you said you fish flats. How deep would that be? I mean, really, actually quite shallow. There, you can fish them, you know, as deep as you want. But typically it goes from like five feet to a foot. Um, stripers will come in into like 18 inches or so. The boat, my boat draws about 18 inches and I will, you know, anchor right there and we'll get them all day. What yeah, about speeds cool. of water? Because I remember there's some different parts of the island will have different currents ripping through. Right. I mean, I think that's the other cool thing about the vineyard is it's the fishery is so diverse in the way to fish for them, like, or fish for stripers, I should say. And a full day trip will fish the rips and the flats or, you know, sometimes or a couple days of each. 
Um, the currents on the island are really crazy. We have these crazy shoals where it will go from like four feet of water to 40 feet or three feet of water to 20 feet or even like up to 120 feet. I mean, it's crazy. And so the water, the bait fish kind of just get pushed around. Um, it can't really, it's like a washer machine almost. Um, and you can kind of set your boat up. So your fly just drops right off that cliff and the fish are, it's like a buffet line. <laughs> the fish are there, their mouths open, ready to eat. Especially during the squid migration. Ooh, tell is, us about that. Squid migration is crazy. So it happens in June um, and it's like a National Geographic ad. There's bass breaking the water. You can use poppers, they'll eat right off the surface. The squid are jumping um, out of the water. There's birds diving down, eating the squid. There was one day this year my client said, oh my gosh, there's so much seaweed in the water. And it wasn't seaweed, it was actual like squid ink. There's that many. Yeah, there's so much squid. But the fish go nuts for them. So you're using these big squid flies, and it's awesome. You can watch a fish, fish eat them. It's like all sight fishing. It's really cool. Can people eat the squid? Yeah, people eat them all the time. It's not bad. You just got a whole bunch of calamari floating by. Yeah, I did once this year, and then the next I made dinner with like calamari, and the next morning I saw like all these bluefish and bass eating them, and I'm like, oh my god, never again. <laughs> like getting too close to home here, right. eating like that. So, what about stuff in the water? You got sandbars, rock piles that bait will get pushed up against and hide around. Yeah, it depends on what side of the island you are. Um, Chabaquitic and that side, um, it's mostly sandbars. Um, and then towards the north side of the island, it gets a lot more rocky. So you have to be pretty careful on the boat up there. Do you see but, some, some bad boating incidents with people that aren't paying attention? Oh, yeah. I mean, in July, the waters get, especially like towards the Cape, not necessarily the island, but um, gets so crowded. And, yeah, there's definitely... The Coast Guard keeps pretty busy. Are you familiar with currently <laughs> that's going viral is this parking lot with the rock in it that people keep hitting? No. What is it? This is a parking lot. Everyone's going to Google it. That people cut a turn around this little spit of, I don't know what you would call it. Like there should be a tree in the middle, little like sidewalk piece. And okay. people kept cutting it and getting stuck and tearing up the mud and dirt everywhere. So somebody in the middle of the night came and put a big boulder there to block the cars. Oh my There's God. about 12 different pictures of 12 different cars all stuck on this rock at a 45 degree angle. That's hilarious. So drivers are hitting rocks somewhere just as bad as they might be doing it on the vineyard. Yes. I mean, you do see it. It's I've seen people sailboats in particular get caught on the shoals, which is pretty, can be kind of scary. Yeah. And do you have your boat in the water or do you trailer it? I keep my boat in the water. Um, I rent a dock space on Chappie. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. 
And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So I keep it right there. What is your boat? What What's the size, make, model? Sorry, a 23-foot Parker. All right. All um, right. And I love it because it's super lightweight and it doesn't have a deep V, so I can get up on the flats really easily, which is awesome. It's not, it definitely slams a little bit more than like a deep V boat if you're going on rough days, but I love it. It's a great boat. Can you take that to the mainland versus doing the shuttle? Um, yes, I do in the fall and spring, but the like public docks get so crowded so i have to take the ferry so if you need supplies can you get amazon delivered there oh my gosh yes new discovery right on amazon prime now changed my life (laughs) the reason i got prime was because it would take me 40 minutes to an hour to go three miles and back to target with traffic here i'm like you know what i'm just buying baby wipes on amazon now i'm not going all the way to target I know, like things I can support small businesses with, of course I do, but some things like it's like you can't get on an island and there you go. Right. You can get it right on Amazon Prime. Although you always they you always put in your address and it adds an extra like five days to the delivery. Because, <laughs> you know, the island and all. Right, right. And most of the island is dry. Is that from when I was there? Is that still going on? Um, it, yes, Vineyard Haven, so Vineyard, now it's just Chilmark and Menemsha. Vineyard Haven was dry until this year. So last year it passed and this year you can get, you can get alcohol at restaurants, but they still don't really have bars and you have to get food when you get alcohol. (laughs) What about liquor stores? We found one. Yeah, there, Edgartown has a bunch. Oak Bluffs has some, and that's like kind of it. There's one by the airport. I guess it's Edgartown still. I but wonder, yeah, oh, that's can, it. I wonder if that contributed to the lack of litter. Like, you usually go to a beach, there's beer cans and pop tops and other things. We went to some beaches that were absolutely pristine. Yeah, they're really pristine there. I think a lot of, I don't know, a lot of people, it's just such a beautiful place. I hope that people realize that and respect that and i like to think that's why they take it but (laughs) you don't know right but maybe that is why all right i want to talk about the flies now that you're you're throwing for these fish so you mentioned some big squid flies what else are you throwing and what are you trying to match um uh, squid is my favorite and you can use that like all the way through july and then you can kind of start using it again in september down deep um, but sand eel patterns are, work, work really well. And then, of course, like clousers, like very small, sparse clousers on the flats work really, really well in tan and white and chartreuse and white as well. Um, but you're mostly mimicking sand eels, little peanut bunker. But, yeah, I mean, it's funny. What was that? Fresh- Did you hear that? Yeah, that's my phone, my computer, sorry. Yeah, so it's mostly peanut peanut bunker and clousers. You know, you really don't need to use that many flies. It's not like freshwater, you know? Like, it's not, you don't have to match the hatch. Like, 95% of the time, clousers or a squid pattern will work, which you, makes my job pretty easy. Yeah, do you tie your own flies? 
I do. I don't tie um, a ton just because I don't have a ton of time. But I have my dad. I call my number one employee. He ties all my flies, and then I have some really lovely friends that are clients actually too that will tie some flies for me. Um, but yeah, whenever I can, I like to do it. That's pretty cool how you and your dad get interact through your employment. I met him with his insurance company oh, yeah. at Edison. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's pretty funny where it's awesome. I hang out with them all the time now. <laughs> After being out West for so long, it's pretty fun to come back home and fish with him. Yeah, it's good. Do you still go on his shoulders? <laughs> That's how I guide. <laughs> to get... Forget ladders. We can stay. We can have dads to stand on. <laughs> time so successful on the flats. <laughs> uh, with the flies, are you doing barbed or barbless? Fireblast. Nice. Any reason? Uh, it's just, I mean, I'm all catch and release, and if I can't get the fly out of the mouth in a, in you know, quickly, there's really no point of releasing that fish. So it's just a lot better for the fish. You can get it out of their mouth and put them back in the water a lot faster. Let's say someone gets impaled. Is there good medical services on the vineyard? Yeah, there's a hospital. I'm surprised I didn't go there. I usually end up injured on a trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, this year I had three people hook themselves. One one horrible thing, I was tying this guy's fly on, and my line, his it was really windy, and the line was got blown off the boat in the water, and I didn't realize. And I had my boat in gear because I was in current, and it was windy. And the line wrapped around the prop and the hook went through my hand. It was being pulled into my hand by the prop until, and I couldn't reach the throttle until the line finally broke. It was gross. And this happened like six 30 in the morning. It's oh, not the way to start. <laughs> I spent like eight more hours of pain. Did you just pour some tussin on it and go. I just, you know, I did a little monofilament trick. <laughs> Rip it right out. That's how they got the one out of my arm in yeah. Colorado, but they used dental floss. Oh, God. But there was I no thought... mark. There was no blood. There was no anesthesia. He just popped it off and they. Yeah, it works. You just like point the head down, head of the fly down, so it creates, you know, more of an angle. I think that loosens it a bit. And then one, two, three, pull as hard as you can. The one that went through my index finger, that didn't work. We tried everything. Oh, I wonder if it wrapped around your bone or something. That happens. I don't know, but the woman at the hospital would not let me film it. I was like, come on, man. They let me do this in Colorado. (laughs) She's like, this isn't Colorado. This is not Colorado. (laughs) The amount of blood that came out, this was uh, like a one-odd bass stinger. It was a fountain. She goes, this is why you don't do it in the field. That's awful. That's awful. I was not expecting that much blood just to be coming out of my finger. It must have hit a blood vessel or something. Something. It's painful. That finger of mine is still numb. <laughs> but then, how do you get the line off the prop if you're out in the water? Oh, it's a pain. Um, you have to turn off the engine and um, raise the motor and then kind of, this is where yoga comes in, like stand on the swim platform and try and get it off as fast as you can. Sometimes you can do it without the line breaking, which is always a plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... It breaks a lot. It's a, it can be hard in the current, you know, because you have to keep your boat in here in order to keep the boat going. 
do you provide gear for your clients? They, I do, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some clients will bring their own, but I provide Thomas and Thomas rods and um, everything they need. So they can just show up and we're ready to go. Do you have a preferred line for throwing in the salt? I use, it depends on the time of year, but I use Cortland's 350 grain sinking line, sinking tip, I should say, in the fall. And then their intermediate striper line or cold salt line um, the rest of the year. Is there a type of gear up there that people just swear by that you would go somewhere else in the country and they'd be like, yeah, that's not our jam? Stripping baskets. <laughs> people have like no idea what they are half the time. It's so funny, which is weird, I guess, because they're so useful for every fishery, I feel like. I, I think I brought mine up there. I can't yeah. remember. I had to ask some people and they're like, what the heck is this? But it, then you use it and you're like, you never want to go back. It's such a simple little thing. Such a simple little thing makes all the difference. All right. And makes your line last way longer. Do you give a packing list for your clients? I'm assuming it's probably going to get windy and wet at some point on the boat. Yeah, I mean, before each trip, I communicate quite a bit with each client. So I'll email them what to bring. And most people have a general idea, but clients are always making fun of me because I'm like, bring all your layers. It's crazy weather. Whenever I say that, it's like a bluebird, beautiful day. <laughs> but it cha the weather changes so quickly out there, so I always recommend bringing a bunch of different layers. What about the sharks? There's sharks for sure. There's more seals around than there used to be. So I thought I was looking at someone's black lab. So years ago, I'm pretty sure I did a podcast at the spot with my friend, uh, now Seth, and he was fishing down the beach, and he came up to me, and he's like, fishing sucks. I'm like, yeah, dude, grab a beer. So we sit down, and we're just sitting, staring off into nowhere, just hanging out, talking. And this thing goes by, and I'm like, oh, my God, dude, someone's dog is out there. He's like, that's not a dog. That's a seal. Yeah, they look like, so what? similar. <laughs> I didn't realize how big those seals were until we went to Cape Cod. Those things are huge. Well, now there's sea lions and harbor seals. So there's like, there are, they get, the sea lions get huge. Do they're you ever huge. mess with your fish? Not on the vineyard, not yet. The Cape, I have some buddies out there that, that um, they're more of a problem where they'll eat the stripers like right off their line. Um, that hasn't happened to me. The seals are a little bit of a pain during Albi season. They come in closer and... We had the hardest time one day catching these albies. They were there. They just were being finicky as ever. And a seal came by with an albie tail out of his mouth. And we were just like, no. Do the fish sense that the seals are there and are just super skittish and yeah. avoiding them? Yeah. So a lot of the time, I mean, I think that's the stripers are more affected by it on the flats. Um, you can still catch them. But you really have to make sure the fish is like very, you have to make sure the fish is very well rested before you put it back because the seals are there. Wait, they're smart. They're there waiting. They figured it out. Yep. So you got to make sure that that fish is ready to fight. <laughs> and for the, the tunas, you just throw them right in as like a torpedo? 
Yeah, I only like hold him in the water for a second. Just, you know, I really don't take them out. I'll take them out quickly for a quick photo. And then, yeah, just like a torpedo, head first. And they're off. I mean, they swim. They're so fast. Do they ever barf up on your boat? Oh, God, yes. I got a brand new jacket this year. I was so excited. Like, finally a new jacket. And first morning, they puked squid all over it. <laughs> so you have the, the squid plus the ink? Yes. And so the ink doesn't come out of clothes, apparently. So now I have a black and blue um, <laughs> jacket. I got a nice Irish knit sweater for Hanukkah one year. And the next day I spilled ink on it in an art class. Yeah, so the next day in art class, you know, I spilled it, took it home. My mom was thoroughly pissed. And instead of just throwing it out, we should have just taken it back and dumped a whole bottle of ink on it. And I could have just had a black sweater. There you go. Right. right. <laughs> That's what I should have done. I mean, it was all over. So gross. Ugh. But do yeah. Do you wear the slicks at all? Like, Pardon? Like, do you wear those... The bibs and stuff in the nasty weather? Really? Uh, yeah. Actually, in the nasty weather, I just, just because maybe I'm cheap, my leaky waders, I cut the, and so I just wear my old waders and they have no feet. Interesting. So. <laughs> Same idea. Yeah. That's kind of like what my bibs are, just old Orvis waders, pretty much with different pockets and no feet on them. Yeah, exactly. Just cut off the little, and the little booties. I washed them, and now they're slippers. <laughs> How about that? They're perfect for camping. Yeah. Where do you go camping? Is that back when you're on the mainland? But, yeah, in the winter, up to the White Mountains in New Hampshire, I love really anywhere, but that's where I go a bunch. Are you a skier Beautiful. as well? Yes. I can't wait for ski season. Yeah, I don't. I went skiing once in Crested Butte. and Oh, amazing. No, I, I don't like the going fast thing. <laughs> That's not an adrenaline rush. Adrenaline rush for me is hooking a, you know, something there big. You go. But I, I was not happy on thing, that trip. Like slippery things on your feet going down a mountain. Yeah. And I was wearing my fishing bibs because I didn't have overalls for skiing. That's so funny. I, I had a Cabela's Gore-Tex wading jacket and Orvis olive green bibs. And that my, is my, my awesome. wife's like, don't even stand near me. <laughs> She's a smart woman. She wears like all white now when she's out there. She's like a black helmet and then all white. I like that. That sounds stylish. I she's like nuts. That. She's all double black diamond, does the top balls in brack. It's a good Amazing. thing I don't know how to ski because I would not be able to keep up with her. Does your daughter go with her? Hopefully this winter she'll learn. She says Amazing. no to everything. Really? A wet blanket. <laughs> That's hilarious. We've got two days off of school this week or next week. So I'm going to try and take her trout fishing somewhere. She'll be like, I want a play date. I'll be like, forget that. No, we're going fishing. Yeah. As an only child, that's the first thing she, she opens her eye, looks at you and goes, I want a play date. <laughs> She'll come by at six in the morning. Can you call Tails, mom? <laughs> I'm sick of you too. Like, oh. Needs <laughs> yeah. And our dog just passed away. So she can't play with him anymore. Oh, I'm so sorry. What kind of dog? Mini Schnauzer. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah, he would have been 15 in January. Oh, my goodness. A beautiful long life, it sounds like. Yeah, and I brought his dog bed down last week when I did the interview with Jen Ripple. and. Oh, yeah, uh, I Heather. heard that. Yeah. That was great. Thank you. So I tried to get him to podcast with me, and he left. And that was kind of like the last time we ever really hung out. He's like, nope. 
I'm good. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to go and start dying in about six hours. Seen 15 years of this. I'm done. So we were a wreck for a couple of days. And now she oh. looked at me and yeah. said, I really am an only child now. Oh. We always raised her that that was her brother. Right. She looked at me crying. It was just like, I'm an only child now. I was like, I can't handle this. God. I would die. Yeah, that was pretty rough. That's so sad. I'm so sorry. But now when we drop any kind of food, it's like, man, my back's going to go out. I got to bend over and pick that up. Right? A lot more cleaning now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's quiet. When people come over, There's all he did was bark. Yeah, they're like, known for barking, aren't dude, they? He was not a quiet dog. <laughs> it's good to alert you when people are around, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right. I got some more, a couple more fishing questions before we move yeah. on to other things. Uh, has the I know you've only been on the the vineyard for a couple of years. And I'm assuming you hang out with. Is there a fishing community there of guides and other anglers? Yeah, there's a great community on island. I mean, I think it's such a so many people fish on island that it's a pretty common common thing. But yeah, there's awesome awesome. All the other guides are super nice and great guides and yeah, it's good. Is there? Talk about the ocean changing, warming up, different species are coming in over the years. Yes, definitely. And it's pretty obvious to see. I mean, from growing up to now, it's completely different. I mean, the stripers have gone down and up. And you can definitely tell that there's a lot of stripers around, but there's not a ton of big ones around. Um, it's pretty cookie cutter size fish are all pretty similar and then just things like we got king mackerel this year um we got spanish mackerel this year which is a southern fish that's not pretty that's not typical for our waters um it's definitely changing and yeah i mean it's it's i think islands because you know they're so out in the ocean you do feel the effects of climate change pretty quickly what about the storms? Yeah, we had some bad storms this um, this fall. We had two nor'easters that were crazy, like crazy. I mean, it was like one was at least 60 knots for four straight days, which really meant like we'll always get a storm or two in the fall, but we had two big ones, and that really messes up the fishing. It's really good before, typically, and the Albies do love the rough water, but it moves them around quite a bit, and they can't really get settled. So it makes it hard. You have to work really hard to find them. Does it do much to erode the beaches when you get one of those big wind storms coming in? Yeah, every year the beaches are different, especially on Chappie where it's all sand. There's some houses <laughs> that I see, and I'm like, ooh, nerve-wracking because they get closer and closer to the edge every year. Does it blow the mosquitoes out to sea? I remember getting eaten alive in the parking lot there. Oh, yeah. Yep. In the There are definitely parts of the island where there's a huge mosquito population. But once you're on the ocean, you're all good. Yeah, I was, my clients are always asking, do I need to bring bug spray? I'm like, well, first of all, out in the open, there's nothing that mosquitoes would feed on. Right. So they wouldn't be out there anyway. Plus, the wind would just blow them away. Right, exactly. Plants are always like scratching their head, like really, but yeah. There, there are no squirrels and 
small mammals out in the middle of the lake that the mosquitoes are going to come and grab. So right. they're not going to even know you're there. That's true. Yeah, Any no. issues with you being a female guide amongst all the other people? Um, I mean, I think in any community it was a little bit of a surprising factor for some to, to say the least yeah there was some um, yeah definitely i mean more yeah i don't know i think a lot of people were confused by it weirdly and questioning if i had a captain's license and all that which of course i do and when i didn't i would use it someone on the boat that did have a captain's license so he ran a legal business um but yeah it was definitely i definitely get some comments less and less each year which is um refreshing and good Com comments <laughs> online or out and about on everything yeah. my god like people online are brutal but i've kind of just learned like i'm proud of my business i'm proud of what i'm doing and so i kind of just put my head down and work hard and be respectful to others and the resource and the ocean and you know that's really all you can do what is the night sky like up there it's amazing it's crazy because you're out there you're in the middle of the atlantic ocean it's super super beautiful especially on Chappie or on the north side of the island um really anywhere on island there's tons of stars it's so beautiful We've had so much light pollution here that it's you can see some stars. And I, I wish I could get out more to places. I remember as a kid going out to Yellowstone in Montana. Yeah. So beautiful. It was it's insane. Like that. Yeah. And the like, keys. Yeah, the keys are pretty amazing. Um, but it's like that. You really there's not that much light pollution. It's so it's pretty spectacular. What's the deal with the lobsters? Do you call them lobsters or you don't have much of the accent to be like lobster? Lobsters, <laughs> stripers, and lobsters. <laughs> um, yeah, they're there. They're delicious. More in Maine than the vineyard. Um, Tom Colicchio was saying they're all moving out of Maine and going up towards Newfoundland. Yeah, it's crazy. The waters are warming, you know. Um, and that, like these seas, the ocean says it best. Like every year, it changes. There's striped bass up there now. I mean, that's crazy. Is there something that you would catch that would totally blow your mind? Either you or a client pulled in and you'd be just like, what? I mean, for the first time in my life, we caught a king mackerel this year. And that was pretty, I was pretty surprised on that. Another thing we got and we had was, were ton, and we always get jellyfish, but we had tons of jellyfish, which is kind of cool because the, sea turtles came in they chop on those things yeah and we saw so many sea turtles the best evening of fishing we were out and we saw this giant sea turtle like huge sea turtle i thought it was a sea lion and there was albies just under it the uh, entire time was there a and little that, fish hanging out underneath it yeah, yeah that was the flotsam for them yeah it was so cool we drifted with this turtle for four miles just catching Albie after Albie. It was so cool. Would you ever put on a mask and snorkel and dangle over or hold, hold like <laughs> Oliver's feet while he's in the water looking around? <laughs> Maybe with Oliver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have some pretty strong currents, so I don't do it, but I know people that do. <laughs> Very cool. 
So yeah. in the emails recently, uh, you mentioned you're in New York City. What was that for? Was it for Pizza by the Slice? Uh, definitely a little bit of that. Um, I was in a film with John McMurray about, um, it's called Tomorrow's Fish, that I have to put on, and it's basically a conservation saltwater, saltwater conservation film, just talking about stripers, and it was awesome. John's a badass. He was super fun to fish with and film with, and so we did a... They showed the film at an Orvis shop, and then we had, like, a discussion afterwards. It was cool. When did they approach you to make a movie? Last year, um, they asked me, after asked me, because I'm, I'm striving to be, well, I mean, I try to teach all my clients the importance of conservation and protecting our resource and strippers, so they asked me and then went down to New York to film with John last November, which was so fun because I actually got to fish for the first time in so long. It was awesome. Did you find that the fish don't like when a camera's rolling? Oh, yeah. They hate it. (laughs) We couldn't get a single bite. We filmed our F3T movie. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, no, that's exactly how it goes. There was I was working with fly lords on something, and we did catch fish, but had to work really, really hard for them. And then the morning they left, I guided that afternoon and caught, I mean, it was like unbelievable fishing. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Is this movie going to be public, online? Is it going to be at a film tour? Wow. I think they're trying, I think they're kind of figuring that out at, right now. It just came out last week. So I know they're using it as a to try to just get the word out for conservation. I'm not sure exactly. I don't know if they are even sure of what it's going to be in. But it won some awards um, out west and was nominated for the Drake Best Conservation Film and Best Saltwater Film, which is cool. I once accepted the Drake's Best Saltwater Movie Award. Really? Uh, they just said, and who in the crowd wants to accept it? They're not here to pick it up. And I wasn't even facing, I had a lot to drink. I was not facing <laughs> the stage, and I just put my hand up. And they're like, Snow White, come and get it. And I, I looked around, there I was like, uh, okay. And all weekend, here this is. was it, yeah, this is an iCast. People were like, I love that part when you're in the Seychelles. I'm like, I thought y'all knew I was not in this movie. I went up there as a bit. <laughs> But speaking of iCast, how was how was the plaid and khaki show in Denver this year? Definitely a plaid and khaki show. Um, I've actually never been because it's always been in July, which is, you know, one of my busiest months. And I wasn't going to go this year, but it was one of the storms that hit. Um, and I'm really glad I went. It's awesome. Like, the fly fishing industry is such a cool industry. And it's nice to be reminded of that occasionally. <laughs> There's a lot of awesome people. And it's fun to catch up with everyone. And 
It was cool. It was fun. It was definitely a party, but it was fun. <laughs> Any products you're looking forward to being on the market? All the fish pond stuff looks awesome. Um, it is awesome, um, which was fun to hang out with them for a while. And they're just such a cool company, you know, so environmentally aware and stand by how I want to run my business. And, yeah, they're great. Awesome. Yeah. You want to talk about yoga or travel next? Either one. So how'd you get into the um, yoga? So the yoga, well, so I started doing yoga a while ago. I had like scoliosis in my back and it was like so painful guiding. I'd get home and like be in such pain. And I was like 22. It was like ridiculous. So I started doing yoga and it was totally cured, like hundred percent fine. And then I realized it kind of, it goes so well and compliments fly fishing, especially through travel aspect. I had a lot of clients that, you know, were unsure if they wanted to go on a full-fledged fly fishing travel, you know, which I get. I mean, that it seems kind of intimidating. But the minute you add yoga into it, it opens the doors for a lot more people that then really started to love fly fishing and vice versa. Fly fishermen really started to love yoga, which is cool. I know Mike Schmidt's big into yoga. He's down in Florida. That's a big dude to be doing yoga. Yeah, it helps. I mean, guiding around a boat all day long standing or walking on the rocks or the beaches, it's like, it's hard. But if you can, like, if you can um, build those little muscles and uh, your core and stuff, it really does help. Also, for me, I get, like, so excited guiding sometimes. It's nice to be able to, like, to know to take a breath <laughs> and it's okay we're just fishing i tried doing pilates and i really liked that and i thought we would venture into yoga yeah and i don't, I don't know what happened it didn't work and then when we had our kid i quit the gym <laughs> well you know you can get back into it at well, some point it's I, a got, lifelong thing. I got a uh, indoor bike stand so i ride my that's bike so cool. now i just fixed our giant oh, tv and yeah, I could sit there and, and watch something or listen to Bluetooth headphones and just burn some calories and I can don't have to go anywhere. Right. And you can be with your daughter. That's perfect. Yeah. She wants to go on it. I'm like, I'm twice your height. You can't fit on this. Not going to work. That's no. a nice thing about yoga too. Like you can do it everywhere, anywhere they, they and everywhere. teach it to the kids here at school. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't, my daughter would come home doing different poses from school. That's amazing. Yeah, they yeah. did not do that when I was in school. That's amazing. I think now you have to be CPR certified to graduate. Yeah, to graduate high school. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Right, these they are things should. I'll find out when my kid gets older. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. But that that's awesome. Yeah. How'd, you get, in, oh, uh, how'd you get into travel hosting? I love traveling, and one aspect of fly fishing that. I think is awesome is it can bring you to such beautiful places and people in the world. Um, and not that a lot of people don't discover if you're not fishing. Um, and so I started doing hosted travel and I would go down and the lodge typically would host me first. So I'd learn the guides and learn, you know, kind of what to expect and, um, and then would start bringing clients down and it's good because I found it really helpful to have always gone to the place first because 
some places definitely have better guides than others and some guides match better with certain clients vice versa um so it's nice to have an idea of of what you're getting into <laughs> do you ever that's one thing i thought about getting into hosted trips and it hasn't really panned out we may do one this winter but i always wonder are you going to get someone that's just you know two beers and they're just a sloppy drunk or if someone's right. going to wander off in the night and end up with a tattoo I mean, on their forehead. A, right. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Like a lot of people think I'm just going on vacation, which it's months and months and months of planning. And everyone who travels is different and has different needs and has different concerns and trying to, I mean, it's a compliment, right? Like they've chosen you to, they've trusted you enough to travel with you. So you kind of have to live up to that, which is hard. I lose a lot of sleep over it. <laughs> how much sleep do you need? And then when I how much sleep do you need working up there? Uh, My kid gets me up early and I went to bed because our dog passed away. And I would stay up every night till 1030 to let him out. So he wouldn't wake us up at four or five to go out. Oh my God. I turned the lights off at 915 last night. Oh yeah, awesome. easily. I love the fall when it's because in the summer I'm guiding until dark, you know, and then you're up at four or five or whatever, so you really don't sleep. I'm like a bear; don't really sleep that much in the summer. And then as it starts getting dark earlier, the earlier the better for me. I'm excited for daylight savings this week. I know, I'm like the we'll only start, bird. Well, this, our striper fishing is really good at dusk here, so we can oh, go really? out earlier. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. And then still have a night. Yeah. So time for happy hour. <laughs> yeah, we've got a, a no clients on Sunday because we're going down to Fredericksburg, Virginia. So we're going oh, wow. to, I'm going to a going away party. It's no kids. So we drew straws. My wife is staying home. So I can <laughs> go out this weekend. There you go. Yeah. This is the time of year for it. So what? back to the, the traveling. <laughs> Do you have favorite destinations? Sounds like Mexico is kind of your jam. I love Mexico. I just, I, I mean, I, Patagonia and Ireland, they're so beautiful and the fishing is unbelievable. But personally, I just love saltwater and just like the openness and endless flats. Um, also, where I go in Mexico and Punta Allen, it's all protected land, which is really cool. I mean, it's like over a million acres of protected lands. You're seeing turtles and birds and dolphins and, Striper, not stripers. Um, that would be a little scary. Um, permit and snook, tarpon and bonefish. I mean, it's like, it's so cool. It's so cool. And after having gone down there a few times, the community of Punta Allen is really a special place. Like many places where there's fly fishing. What's the food like down there besides probably just extremely fresh? Yeah, it's a lot of fresh seafood. A lot of, um, yeah, fresh seafood. It's good. All, I'm allergic to gluten, so it's like great for me because it's all corn. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was the Spanish that introduced flour. Yeah. Yep. 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 Any traveling hacks you've got for packing or what to bring, what not to bring? The fish pond rod holder that holds four rods, it's round. It was like the best thing I've ever got because you can fit four rods in it. It's not that big and you can carry it on which is so nice because I'm always so scared to check my rods. 
just like if anything, you know, you can lose, like if you don't have clothes for a few days, you can get a shirt, but if you don't have your rods, I mean, the whole point is to go fishing. Right. That was last week's topic of what would you bring in your, in your carry on that you have to sacrifice to put something in the check luggage. And I, I said, I'll put my prescriptions in the check luggage. Yeah. <laughs> if I got to carry my fly box with me, I'd rather right. have heartburn than no flies. Right, exactly. So I always try to bring at least to get through a couple of days of fishing and carry on, and then the rest can be checked. Do you have any but, hacks Any hacks for packing, like rolling up things and sticking it in your shoe? Oh, space yeah. Bags. I use a lot of the space bags. A lot of my clients use those. Um, I usually, if I am checking rods, will, like put them on the bottom for a base, and then, yeah, like fill my hats with things and fill my shoes with things and you know i mean i was just packing waterproof gear too all the fish bond stuff is or most of it because then you can just use that on the boat as well you can right. kind of carry over instead of having to bring another dry bag or another whatever you're you already have it is there something you used to pack all the time and now you're like i don't need that that think. you just you you've organized things so well now that you found there's things that are just not needed. Well, like most, I mean, obviously wear clothes down there, but you really don't need as many clothes as you think, because especially when you're like you you're in a you're fishing all day, so you can just wear the same shirt a couple days and you're fine. I also bring way too many coats because I'm always packing. It's like freezing here. And then, you know, it's Mexico, like it's not cold. So just bring one little jacket and you'll be fine. I always bring like half the bag of down coats. <laughs> I can never have enough down. Patagonia down vest is my go-to. Well, and I wear that's for indoors. That's not my traveling. That's what I wear in the house. Right. Oh yeah, I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, don't get near a fire with it. Oh, good to know. I sat down next to my cousin's gas fireplace and started smelling something weird. And I turned my head. And when I turned, all these white feathers came up. And I figured oh, out that no. I was sort of on fire. Just sort of on fire. So now they don't even let people or their kids get near that gas fireplace. It was that hot. Oh, my God. It was a That's new house crazy. for them. That's crazy. That's funny. Yeah. Any other questions I forgot to ask you about life on the vineyard before I go into some other questions? I can't think of any. I think you covered it pretty well. All right. Well, I may ask a, a good one in here. Uh, if you had a superhero's power to make you a better angler, what would you choose? Oh. Hmm. Maybe that I could see through the water to see exactly what's going on. Because you're just scraping the surface, right, by looking at the birds and looking at you know, you, you're just seeing what's on the surface. But if you could see what's below you, A, you could see the bait. But also, it'd be so cool. I bet there's sharks and whales and all sorts of stuff. Dig it. Right? That'd what item, if you left at home on a guided trip, fun trip, or hosted trip, would completely screw you over? Flies, of course, I'd say. Which I've done. So now I have them in every single nook and cranny of my life. So I can't ever forget them. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't matter where you are in our house. When I was holding the dog as he was starting to go, my wife put something down and a gamakatsu hook fell out of it. 
Oh, yeah. I was like, I got to pick that up before she sees it because I will be in trouble. Yep. Literally every single thing I own has flies in it because it's the worst. What's a fly tie material you could not live without? Well, I for stripers, I love big eyes. So like, and so those big, um, big dumbbell eyes really work pretty well. So that I would say that. Are you left or right hand retrieve? Right, but I can do both. I have both on the boat because clients have they switch every day with that. If you weren't a professional fishing guide, what would do you think you'd be doing? Professional yoga? That's tricky. Um, I feel like I put all my eggs in one basket with this job. <laughs> I started guiding in college. So every year I'm like, oh, made it another year. Hopefully it'll keep going. Yeah, I would love um, either travel or yoga. The if, other one. Yeah. If you were stuck in your own personal groundhog day, where would you want to be that had the best fishing? Where would I want to be? Yeah, instead of Punxsutawney, where if you could wake up any you know day after day in the same spot, where would you want to have your own Groundhog Day? Well, the vineyard in the summer or fall is like the best fishing ever, and so beautiful, and the weather's great. So I'd love to be there, or on some endless flat somewhere, warm and sunny. Do you have a favorite author, fishing or non-fishing, that you would recommend? Favorite author? I have a few. Um, there's a woman on island, Janet Messino, who just wrote a really amazing book. Of course, like, you're probably going to have to cut this out because I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> I need to get back to you. But it's about striper fishing on the island and the struggles of her being a female you know, like 40 years ago, getting into it. It's Interesting. Awesome yeah, I need to, Janet Messina knows her name. She's amazing. If you had a DeLorean with enough uh, nuclear power and could go back in time to fish a pristine environment before it was destroyed by humans, where would you go? Definitely. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I would go to the vineyard because there's like you'll read you'll read um, articles and stuff where they say you could walk across the backs from Egertown to um, Chabacudic on the backs of stripers, which like that's pretty crazy. That's not like that today. I mean, there's a lot of stripers around, but the populations aren't healthy. The Shad in the Potomac will stack up in some eddies where it looks like that. You see nothing really? but backs. And they say that, you know, back in the day when Captain John Smith came up here, they would just dip frying pans in and scoop the fish out. Yeah, that's what it says. You could walk in the backs of them. I think he is the one that named Martha's Vineyard before really? he stole Pocahontas. <laughs> Quite the life. Yeah. He escaped <laughs> being imprisoned in Turkey and then got on a boat over here to go explore. To go explore. Yeah, he had quite the life. Quite uh, life. What's the worst place you've ever fished? The worst place I've ever fished. Huh. The worst place I've ever fished. I don't know. I mean, I still had a really, really fun time, and it actually wasn't that bad. But I went carp fishing, and it was like army crawling for 12 hours, and we didn't catch anything because they were so damn spooky. And then we were sitting, like, 
in this drainage ditch, literally. And I was just casting and drinking a beer and hanging out. And we caught carp, but we all fell in. It was like gross water, but it was, it was still really fun. <laughs> Where was that? That was out in Washington. Okay. It was like, I mean, but it was like gross water. Like there was like cow fields right next to us. Like, I feel like we should have gotten shots afterwards. Ugh. I was swimming in that. <laughs> what is your home fly shop? Um, Coops, Bait and Tackles on Island. When is it okay for someone to pose for a photo with a rod over their shoulder? <laughs> when you just started fly fishing. There we go. <laughs> All right. That's hilarious. When you get a hot dog, do you put ketchup or mustard on it? 100% mustard. I do not like ketchup. Ugh. <laughs> So then I, don't have, I don't have to ask what's the one thing you won't eat. Ketchup. Ketchup. It actually, I think, is the one thing I won't eat. Wow. What's yeah, your drink? I really like IPAs or bourbon. What's your bourbon? I like Bullet or I like Whistle Pig. Whistling Pig? The Whistle people pig? that started Whistle Pig started their own one. It's like Hudson something. It's Ooh. awesome. My dad is a scotch aficionado. He considers bourbon to be blasphemy. <laughs> and he had a sip of this stuff, and he looked at me and sneezed and put the glass. He drank a sip, immediately sneezed, put the glass down, stared at me, and walked off. That's Because hilarious. I had offended That's his taste buds. And my wife and daughter and I, were, it was my cousin Speakeasy we were at one day. And I was just going through trying every high-end bourbon and whiskey. My dad was just shaking his head. That's hilarious. I love bourbon. It's delicious. Yes. What's up yeah. is good? What's your favorite concert you've been to? Favorite concert? This summer I went to John Muir on the Vineyard. That was really fun. Um, Grateful Dead, for sure. And then Crazy Stills Nash was another favorite one. That's been mentioned now two episodes in a row. Really? Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your most played album? Probably Crazy Stills. Nash and Young or the Dead or um, Taj Mahal. I really like as well. I saw Taj once open up for Parliament in uh, a street festival in San Francisco in college. Amazing. It was pretty nuts. He's so good. And I've never seen him though because he comes by the vineyard like every year. And, but it's always like in the heart of God season when I can't do anything else. Which is come up for the Jacko Pierce concerts, but they're like 500 bucks now and involves a clam bake and all this other stuff. On the Vineyard this summer, they had their first ever music festival, which was really cool. John Muir is there, which he is like so amazing. Um, Dispatch was there. Grace Potter was there. It was so fun. Grace Potter puts on a show. That woman can rock. Right? It was so fun. I showed up for the last like 10 minutes basically still in my waiters but it was amazing (laughs) does it screw things up when the obamas come oh yeah i mean like you can't even use your cell phone really like the cell phone power is totally different the service weird yeah it's crazy and they just bought a house on island as well nice yeah are you going to be getting trick-or-treaters on your island i wish i've never lived in a place where I feel like I always live in these places where there's no trick-or-treaters because you have to, like, 
travel down a million miles of a dirt road or in an apartment or wherever I've been. So no, but I wish. What about <laughs> Halloween parties? Were you able to dress up for anything this past weekend? Yeah, I went as a Viking. <laughs> All right. That's actually appropriate because they used to be there. Exactly. And I hate being cold, so it could still be really warm. Which Harry Potter house do you belong to? Gryffindor, probably. All right. East Coast or West Coast rap? That's tough. Maybe West Coast. All right. All right. If you could go back in time to watch an athlete perform in their prime, is there someone you'd go see? Oh, God. Maybe Babe Ruth. <laughs> Do you have a scar that tells a story? Yes, actually. Well, I have a few. Many fishing related. Um, but the one on my head that I got last summer was my brother surfed into my head. And I kept saying, don't do that, don't do that. And then he still did it. And I got this huge scar in my head. But he's a lot younger than me, and he's like the best, most awesome human. But I felt like it taught him, <laughs> speaking as a much older sister, your your actions affect others. So here, I have a scar to prove it. Crikey. So there you go. <laughs> if you had a band to follow you around and play your theme song, what song would they play? Oh, my gosh. What song would they play? Well, Althea's my favorite song, but that's not what they'd play. That's a hard one. I feel like one where everyone, where it's just a lot of energy the whole time. Builds up. Like steroid heaven. <laughs> and what is your favorite part about the Thanksgiving dinner? Dessert, pecan pie, 100%. Right on. I, that's really easy to make. Not to make good, but it's a super easy thing to make. It's so easy to make, and it's so, so good. The best. And you didn't call them pecans. That's what my great aunt would call them. She I grew know. up in Jamaica, British Jamaica, <laughs> so it was pecans and tomatoes. Every, But even like on the vineyard, 50-50 at the table, pecan, pecan. My wife and I argue about the word almond. She calls it an almond. Almond. And then I think it's al almond. I call almond. it caramel. She calls it caramel. Oh, yeah, and caramel for sure. Yeah. yeah. Or syrup and syrup. Syrup. Syrup for sure. Yeah, she was, I'm like, but I'm the American. You are not from here. I get the words right. She's like, no. Flotsam. She, yeah, she was born in, in Soviet Russia. Oh, wow. That's cool. Uh, I think that kind of finishes up all my questions. I'm glad we finally got a chance to get this done. I'm so sorry, and I appreciate that we did this. So thank you. Yeah. Where can uh, listeners find you on all your social medias? Um, they can find me on Instagram at Abby on the Fly, A B B I E, and my website kidsmidoutfitters.com. And then Kidsman Outfitters also has a Facebook page as well. Fantastic. Yeah. What's the rest of your day going to look like? I'm going to go teach a yoga class, actually, in about an hour. Nice. Which is nice. Right. And continue to unpack my life. <laughs> Maybe take my pup on a run or down to the beach, at least. But it's cold. It's freezing. But he's still he's curled up right now on my couch, which he's not supposed to be on the couch, but... He's staring right at me, so he knows he's being bad. <laughs> what kind of dog is he? He's a little 
rescue. I found him on the Blackfoot Reservation, actually, when I lived out in Montana. Wow. He's wow. seven pounds, and now he's 45. Oh, my goodness. That's a big dog. I know. He's the best. He's the best fishing dog. He'll spot fish sometimes before I do. Like, I'll be looking one way, and he'll be on the boat looking the other way, and he'll start barking or run over and smack me with his paw. It's amazing. You need some Con kind of skipper's oh. hat for him. I know. Really. He I, should I like be a, the captain. Like the deckhand or something. He's my first mate, for sure. Right on. All right, yeah. Abby. I'm going to go return a broken air fryer to Bed Bath & Beyond. Have fun. And then I'll start editing. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you so much. And if you need anything else, I'm around this week. So whatever you want to you want to redo parts or whatever, let that me know. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Take me to bed right away. Okay, baby. Good night, y'all. Thank you for a great nine years. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, a mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king. But who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver. Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.